welcome to the Retreat House Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Smith. I've invited a friend to the table to share their story. Come and join us. Welcome to the table. I am really excited about today's episode because you are going to hear a story about a really special company. I have been hearing about them for a long time and finally got to sit down with the founder and hear the story, and I'm excited to have her here to share it today. My guest today is Inga Swope from Three Seams, and she is going to share with us how, you know, what was the spark that started Three Seams and how it's come to be the organization that it is, that it's a fair trade company, that they are partnering with artisans in different countries and providing jobs, which I just love that model of coming in and creating opportunity versus just coming in and here we are going to do all these things for you, but to really partner with people as equals. I just, I love that model. So I am so excited to welcome Inga to the podcast. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here and thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to say about yourself? As way of introduction. Yeah. Well, I was born and raised in Minnesota, and so it's great being back here in the snowy tundra this winter. But um, I'm a mom of three, all, well, almost all grown. Um, My oldest is 21, my um, middle one is 18, and then my youngest is 16. And so very busy phase of life, but also just kind of a new chapter beginning as, as my house becomes a bit empty nested. Yeah, so that's kind of, you know, my, my heartbeat, my home life, but yeah, I think that's about it. <laughs> How long has Three Seams been around? So officially, Three Seams started in 2010. Okay. Um, but I would say the heartbeat and murmurs of Three Seams stem back to 2006. Mm-hmm. And so between 2006 and 2010, just kind of this period of where I just really felt God stirring something in me and in my heart. And I knew something was coming. And I Mm -hmm. wasn't really sure what that something was. And I'd get kind of little like tidbits here and there of, I feel like this is something that I'm leaning towards, or, or this is where I'm being tugged. But really, until 2010, wasn't exactly sure how it would kind of unfold. Okay. But, yeah. So what did it look like, those first murmurs back in 2006? Yeah. So I um, had the opportunity to lead a service project into Slovakia. And on that trip, was able to um, drive through a gypsy village. It was kind of this first first time that I can remember really seeing moms and their kids in really destitute situations. It was winter. It was freezing bitter cold. The housing was tin shacks. There were little kids peeking out of the shacks and moms kind of like pulling them back inside. And clothing was scarce. Food was scarce. And it was just kind of this moment where I just kind of like gasped. And it was like all of a sudden, the reality of how fortunate I was Mm -hmm. as a mom just came just flooding over me. I really felt like in that moment, God was just kind of setting the stage for something bigger. And mm-hmm. and the question that kept coming back to me was, okay, what what are you going to what are you going to do with that mm-hmm. gasp? Mm-hmm. What are you going to mm-hmm. do with that feeling of oh my gosh, I'm so fortunate. And how are you going to give back to maybe moms that are are less fortunate and are in situations that they certainly didn't choose, but they've found themselves there. So that's kind of what started everything. And then over the course of 
the next few years just really wrestling with that and wanting to partner with moms that needed a little partnering. And I, but I, I just really didn't know what that would look like. And Three Seams really started with a completely different model. The way it kind of started looking was uh, duplicate dresses for little okay. girls. <laughs> and I remember like when it first when we first started talking about it and just this whole idea of of what Three Seams was going to be it was right at the same time that Tom's shoes came out. Oh, okay. So the one for one. The one for one thing. Yeah. And I was just like, I remember sitting on my sofa and being like, oh, man, that's so, that's so cool. Like, I love that. That's just really neat. And then, but going back to this whole, like, I want to help moms and, and I want to help moms be able to keep their kids. And I want to help moms be able to clothe their kids and just mm-hmm. take the edge off that burden of feeling like they can't provide right. for their children. Right. So all of a sudden, just really got this vision of these of these little dresses. And so then with kind of that inspiration, kind of going, oh, it would be really cool is to have a matching dress. Like you sell one here and give one away someplace else to a mom that needs it for their child. And, and so that's how we started. And I loved what it did on this side. Mm-hmm. It really got people thinking. It got people talking to their children about global issues and kind of opening their children's eyes to other parts of the world and how fortunate they were and how we can help others. And that part was good. But mm-hmm. the distributions on the other end, just it wasn't helping. It was mm-hmm. kind of causing chaos. And it was this giveaway thing that just kind of perpetuated a cycle that just wasn't doing what I wanted it to do. And and so at that time, it was kind of the beginning of this job creation movement, this empowering mo- movement through creating jobs in other places. And mm-hmm. um, so I really started just kind of listening and asking questions and learning and and felt like, you know what, this is this is the direction that we want to go, is really trying to empower and teach a skill that can empower them to provide for their families without the giveaway. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we continued with the dresses for a little while through the job creation model, but then gradually kind of phased that out and went a different direction, which is now just a couple of different collections of product from jewelry to loungewear to um, headscarves and continues to grow and morph. And and I think that's what's been really exciting about this Three Seams journey has been just the ability to just see God just move it in ways that I could never have imagined. Mm-hmm. To go from mm-hmm. this one-for-one little dress thing to where we are now is just, it's really exciting to look back and just see God's hand in all of it. Why three seams? Why the name three seams? (laughs) Well, that actually stems back to the little dress. Um, Yeah. So when we were talking about doing these little dresses, I remember I I called my mom. My mom and I are close. And I said, "Um, Mom, I just really, really want this dress to be simple. Like Mm -hmm. whether it's being sewn in the States. This is like way back. We didn't really know how these were going to be made. But Mm -hmm. whether they're being sewn in the States or whether they're being sewn by women who are learning how to sew. I just really want them to be simple, like three or four seams, just, you know, just really simple. Mm -hmm. And so she was like, oh, well, that's, that's a really, that's a really cute name. And then another friend of mine said the same thing. And I was like, well, I kind of love it. Like, Mm -hmm, and and mm -hmm. being that we are Christians and that three and the Trinity kind of fits in as well. Like it, it, it made sense to me. And mm-hmm. so we just went with it and it stuck and <laughs> it's who we are. So like as far as just the 
three seams. No, not everything we make has three seams in it. But um, yeah, it's just, it kind of was the name from way back and it's carried us through. What countries are you working in? So currently we are in Cambodia and in Nepal. Our roots are, were in Haiti. We were in Haiti for three years. And then just it became very difficult for us to stay there. And at the same time, my family and I were living in Japan. Okay. Um, and I had an opportunity to go on a service project with my children Completely non-Three Seams related, but their youth group was going, and I thought it was a great opportunity just to take the kids and do something with them over the summer. So Three Seams was already happening. You were already doing yes. the dresses. Yes, okay. we were in Haiti during that time. And, and at that point, the dresses had started to fade out, and we were doing headbands and bags and different stuff with our artisans there in Haiti. And I didn't really have any sort of agenda going into Cambodia when we mm -hmm. went on this service project. Like I just had no idea what was <laughs> going to come out of that little trip. But mm -hmm. it was this great trip with my kids and met a missionary there who worked with Cadence International. Cadence is an organization that works with military families. And so we were there with a Cadence youth group. That's what my kids were a part of. Okay. And this woman was there working with Cambodian military families. And okay. and she just kind of at the end of the trip said, you know, I work with some women that could really use a job. Would you consider starting something here like what you have going on in Haiti? So I think because it wasn't a three seams related trip and I was there with my kids, like the whole trip was kind of compartmentalized. Mm -hmm. And I had to go home then and kind of, re kind of resurface all of those different parts of the trip. Right. And I got to that one, and I was like, oh, I just need to ask some more questions. And so I uh, got in touch with her, and she told me a little bit more and ended up going back very quickly thereafter. And six months later, we had built a sewing center and started this program in, the vil in a village there working with military spouses. And so that's kind Cam of – Cambodian – Cambodian military. military yes. Okay. Yeah. So 2012, um, we went into Cambodia and have been there ever since. Um, things have, our location has changed in the last 18 months, which has been exciting to see just as we have moved into the city, our target population has changed a bit as well. And we no longer. For your artisans. For our artisans. Okay. Yeah. At the beginning of 2017, um, found ourselves moving towards the capital city of Phnom Penh. And we still have some relationship with the ladies up in the village and mm -hmm. are able to send some work up to them, some projects. We have this product called the Boho Twist, and they are stellar at making these twists. They are <laughs> the best twisters in all of Cambodia. And so when we have a big order for twists, we um, love to be able to send it up to them. And So they're continuing, even they, though you left, correct, that sewing center correct. is still continuing. That sewing center is there. They still have all of the machines. Cadence International has come in and has provided more machines and has helped find them some additional work. Oh, and great. so, yeah, so I think, you know, as much as I wish that we were able to do both locations. Um, circumstances were such that we, we weren't, but we mm -hmm. are still trying to keep tabs on those women and make sure that they're okay and send up work as we can. But in the capital city, it's been really exciting just to see how God has brought us this new group of women. And these are all women that have either come out of human trafficking situations mm -hmm. or drug addiction or are at high risk of being trafficked. We work with a lot of young girls 
ages 18 to 25. Um, We do have a couple that are a little older, and that's really nice to have. It's nice to have a couple little mother hens Mm -hmm. in the mix. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of brings down the drama in the Mm -hmm. sewing center, and (laughs) and they tend to have a little bit more sewing experience, so they're just helpful in training the young girls. And Mm -hmm. we do a lot of training as well, but the more that we can empower our women to do various aspects of the day and of the program, Mm -hmm. we want to do that. And so if we've got a seamstress that has lots of experience or has mastered a certain piece, we would much rather her teach a new girl coming in than for us to sit down with that new girl. Mm -hmm. And we would love to just get to know that new girl sitting on the floor and chatting with her versus being the one to train her. So it's just equipping them in as many different aspects as we can, not just sewing. Right. Well, and giving them ownership in the whole process. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's been really, really exciting. We've been in the capital city now for about, it was about a year ago right now that we transitioned down. And it's just been really exciting to watch God bring these, this group of girls that in my mind's eye are just like this perfect little posse. Like they're awesome. (laughs) Like they all really get along. They have a great time. Some work part-time, some work full-time. So we see some more than we see the others. And that's their choice. Some of them have families that they need to go back to young children in the afternoons. Um, Some have other jobs. Some have cooking jobs and stuff in the evenings. And so this is something that they do in the in the morning. But we do have some that stay all day. And so it's it's been neat just to like allow that to be something that they determine. And we just support them in that. So and is that where your daughter is? Yeah, actually. Yeah. So my oldest daughter is 21. And she runs our program there in Cambodia. And she went over just actually as a gap year in school to study the language. She really felt like God was calling her to Cambodia in some way. And if you don't actually go there to learn the language. It's really a difficult language to what is, have access to. That's probably a stupid question. What is the, is the language Cambodian? Yes, it is their own language. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. It's called Khmer. So she went over for a year to learn the language. And during that year, our move from the village to the city began. And I just didn't really have anyone in the city. And so I asked Skylar, I said, you know, would you consider staying through the summer. I know you were planning to come back in April or May, but mm-hmm. would you consider staying through the summer and helping me get this program off the ground? And she said, yeah, I, I think I could do that. And so summer starts in and then I get a phone call. Mom, I think I want to stay. I'm like, okay, what are we doing about school? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we're not abandoning that. But um, she said, no, I think I'm going to go to ASU and do it online, finish my undergrad. And she's very just very practical. And so the whole ending with a bunch of student debt was not attractive to her. Mm -hmm. So she's like, no, I'm going to do it online. And that gives me the opportunity to stay here, but also get my undergrad done. Mm -hmm. And so she has really been kind of the hands and feet of getting this thing off the ground in the city and has done just a great job. And so it's been kind of a a sweet moment for me as I watch. I'm so proud of her. Yeah, I am really proud of her. Yeah, she's done a wonderful job. And she loves those girls so much. Mm -hmm. And And being so young has been, I think, both challenging, but also really inspiring to a lot of the girls. Mm -hmm. She has an assistant who is also very young, about 20 years old, and she is Kamai, and 
the two of them together are just this little powerhouse team. They just get stuff done, and the girls have a great time when they come. There's singing that happens in the sewing Mm -hmm. center. There's laughter. There's music playing. It is definitely not just a place of employment, but it's a place of community. And that's really what we want out of our programming is that it's not just a job, but it's Mm -hmm. a place where women can come and where they feel safe Mm -hmm. and where they can receive support and encouragement and community with one another and also resource. We really want our ladies to come to us when they have something going on, whether it's financial, whether it's something out of their past. And our goal is to network with as many other organizations in Cambodia as we can Mm -hmm. so that when we have something pop up that we can't solve, that we have someplace to send that girl. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So she's done a really good job of doing that, of just networking and trying to really have those avenues for our girls to go to. So. I love that. And what I love about her having an assistant that is someone from there Mm -hmm. is that have you ever heard the the saying, you can't be what you can't see? Mm, Totally. Yes. So those young women that are coming are seeing her assistant partnering, that the two of them are partnering together, young women, and accomplished in what they're accomplishing. Yes, absolutely. When they're partnering together. Yeah. Yeah, That's beautiful. It is. It is. I think that there's really just a need for empowering and encouraging young women of Cambodia. And they've, you know, Cambodia has gone through just atrocious history. And in our lifetime, I would have been born into the genocide that happened in Cambodia. It was right during the time that I was born. And so being that it's that in the past 40 years that they've come back from that is just really incredible and reachable. It's like, it just happened, right, kind of. Right. right? I mean, mm-hmm. yes, I'm old. But <laughs> <laughs> but in the front of the memory that people, of the people that are still living there. They're still living there. Right. Yeah. It's like, it's women my age, my phase of life that detail remembrances mm-hmm. of that time. Mm-hmm. And so now these young girls are the next generation and didn't grow up in that, but was raised by that. And um, so there's a lot of little things that just trying to encourage girls and and help them see their worth and help them see themselves as precious mm-hmm. and as God's creations. And and so that's just been something that I think has been really neat to have that younger staff there mm-hmm. for these young girls to see these two girls really believing in themselves and just having that gumption for life. And Right. We talk a little bit about, uh, was it at your Cambodia office where the one of the young women came and asked if she could have a raise or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. One of my favorite things that have happened this year is um, one of our gals actually came and asked Skylar for a loan. Oh, that's what it was a loan. Yeah. This is a big thing in Cambodia and kind of dangerous. It's a lot of just loan sharks and high interest rates and people just function off of these loans and get themselves in a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's kind of this ugh, ugly scene. So we know this and she comes and she asks Skylar for a loan and Skylar said, oh, why why do you need a loan? She said, "Well, I just don't I just don't have anything extra. Like if something happens, what do I I don't have anything. I don't have any way to fix my tire. I don't have any way to get a something done at the dentist or, you know." So Skylar said, "Well, have you heard of a savings account or a savings pot of money?" She said, "No." 
So Skylar was able to just kind of share with her, like, it's where you take a little portion of your paycheck and you set it aside and you don't touch it. You just mm-hmm. leave it there. And then the next paycheck, you do the same thing. And pretty soon this envelope starts having more and more money in it. And then if your tire goes flat or if you have to go to the dentist, you have this savings. And so her eyes just kind of lit up and she said, yes, I want to do this. Mm-hmm. And so she started saving and um, we keep it in our safe. And every payday, Skylar pulls out the envelope and sits with my and mine decides what she wants to put in it. And they put that money in and Mai can look through and see what's there. Mm-hmm. And then they put it back in the safe. And so this has now led to for more of our girls deciding that they want to have savings accounts. And so this is happening every payday where they sit down and they decide how much they can afford to save and um, and they put that in the envelope. And so some are saving for ways to pay off debt. Some are saving for education for their children. Some are just saving for a rainy day like Mm -hmm. the rest of us, you know. (laughs) So, yeah, it's it's really exciting just to kind of see them take up that practice. And to have that, to be equipped Equipped in that way. Right, right. Just little simple things that we, like we grew up with the concept of a savings account, right? Mm -hmm. That's just not something that they've grown up thinking about. Mm -hmm. So it's just neat to just kind of plant seeds in in their lives to like, oh, well, that that could work. Well, yeah, Yeah. and another way to (laughs) offer freedom to them too, that they don't have to go get a loan, that there are other options besides that. Because now I'm thinking like, in countries like India, where sometimes people end up being enslaved because of loans yeah. that they've taken and yeah. they can't pay them off. And then, yeah, exactly. all kinds of yeah. stuff ensues. So that's great. Yeah. So we've definitely seen over the course of, I mean, the past five years in Cambodia, but as well as this this year in itself as a first year in the city, um, just so many ways that God has put his hand into situations and we've just seen freedom and we've seen oppression lifted. Mm -hmm. And not all of our girls that come into the program are Christians. That is not something that we by any means require of them. We have the opportunity for them to sit down for a Bible study a couple times a week and to ask questions and to grow in their faith if they so choose. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that is definitely our heartbeat is to have the opportunity to introduce them to their creator and to give them the opportunity then to grow in that relationship. But some some are taking that opportunity and some not yet. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we just, our goal is to just be Jesus to them Mm-hmm. and to love them as he would have loved them and does love them. And and hopefully one day they'll get a little curious. Right. You know? <laughs> and so you're so. also working in Nepal as yes. well, aren't you? Yes. So um, a military friend of mine, also while I was living in Japan, had been going in and out of Nepal and had been visiting the same orphanage, the same children's home, um, every time she went in. And she started learning about the children's home situation in Nepal. And she sat down with me once and she said, you know, I just, I just feel like there's something we could do with this. And so she started telling me about it. And essentially about 80% or so of children in the children's home in Nepal aren't actually orphans. Mm. They have families. It's just that they can't afford to send them to school. If they put them in a children's home, the government pays for them to get an education. Most of the time, it's an English-speaking education. So it's a good, good base of an education for these students. But the money stops after 10th grade. 
Okay. And so they have no way to finish high school. And then their options kind of spiral into a couple of different scenarios where, one, they cycle back into the poverty that they came out of because they can't get a decent job. Mm-hmm. Or, two, they become prime targets for human trafficking and for modern-day slavery. So we see it with both girls and boys there where the girls are being trafficked. About seventeen to 20,000 girls every year are being trafficked Gosh. from Nepal into India. We also see what the boys are being trafficked from other countries for labor. Okay. Um, and I think that was the thing that stood out to me the most. When we first went into Nepal, my son was right about right around that age. And um, I started just kind of meeting the boys from the children's home and the first couple of young men that we started working with there and just having one at home, one of my own. And mm-hmm. so it was just very like, it just, it just touched me in a way that was a little different, I think. What brought it home? It did. It does bring it back home, you know, when you can relate it to your a boy, child. my child. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So the first time I left Nepal, when you leave the airport, it's women on this side and men on this side. And so I go up to security with my bags and I stick it on the conveyor belt and through it goes and I walk on through. No line. I look over to the men's line and it is literally stretched out the airport door. All of these young boys clustered together with matching baseball caps and little packets under their arms. They're just being recruited from various countries for labor. And unfortunately, just that plane ticket and then their lodging and their accommodations and their food when they get there is all uh, becomes a debt. And okay. most of them cannot ever get back to Nepal. So I'm sure there are scenarios that are not all gloom and doom, but the majority of those scenarios are not good. Mm-hmm. And it was just the line. The line was so long. And I'm just looking at these boys that are all like 16 to 20 years old going, oh, man, there's got to be a different option for Mm -hmm. this. And so we kind of wrestled with, do we go all boys? Do we work with all girls? And just decided, nope, we're going to work with students that God sends our way. And so we started in Nepal as a bridge program for 11th and 12th graders, just scooping up kids that have graduated 10th grade, were no longer being funded, providing them with a job and a mentorship program and people that would walk alongside them to help them finish high school. Then we had a few of our graduates say, we'd really love to continue on to university. Could we stay a part of the program as long as we stay in school? And as back to being a mom, mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not going to say no to that. And so I said, yeah, let's let's do that. But let's change the how we pay them a bit to empower them more mm-hmm. so that they take more responsibility for how they pay for their education and that kind of thing. So how did you find people to work with? Yeah. So we started off with this uh, this connection that my friend had. Okay. But then I had a friend who was actually able to move there for three months. And his sole purpose in being there, just this single guy who, like, was this mountaineering guy who <laughs> could just move there with a backpack right. and hang out for three months, you know? I like, can actually see him in my mind's eye. <laughs> yes, yes. I bet you can. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's really listening and laughing right now. But um, I asked him if he'd be willing to go and... This kind of says a little bit about him as well as he sent me the that there's a song something about Kathmandu. Who sang that song? I don't know. No, 
Okay, then scratch that part. Well, no, I'll look it up. I'll look it up and we'll put it in the show notes. I should know what it is, but I can't remember. But anyway, I open up just a text message and that's how he said yes was it's like some plane ride to Kathmandu. I can't remember what the song is. But anyway, so yeah, so he spent three months there and found this amazing Nepali couple. Their names are Ruben and Rajani, and they love our teenagers so Mm. much and just love the opportunity to walk alongside them. He is a local pastor, and she used to work with kids that were on the street. And so, gosh, that's like it was perfect perfection, right? right? Yeah. So they started working with us and has just they have just been such a godsend and communication with them is so easy and they are so go with the flow if we have an idea Ruben is like hunting down the supplies in two (laughs) seconds like I mean it is just it's worked out really really well and they've now started their own family and that's growing and so it's interesting to just see them as a family kind of still continue to love on these young people and and see that program grow it's it's exciting and The job in Nepal is kind of a means to them helping to help themselves, empowering them, teaching them work ethic, teaching them um, how to have a job, how to relate to employers and that kind of thing. And giving them the opportunity of having a job. Exactly. Exactly. While they're going to school. Right. Yeah. And something that's just creative and Mm -hmm. artistic and just seeing like some of these, especially it's, I've been really impressed with the boys, like just, I don't know why we think this, but it's jewelry making. Girls would be good at that. Our boys are like amazing at it. Like they're so good. (laughs) (laughs) So I just need to see their creative juices turn. And if there's something that we're trying to figure out, like a lot of times I'll throw ideas out and just say, hey, see what you can do with this and just see what they send back. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of our products have come out of that is just like them brainstorming and them putting things together and saying, hey, what do you think about this? Would this work well in the United States? Or how would this fit your market? And so it's very much a partnership, even in the creative aspect of what we do in Nepal. But they only go three days a week. They Their priority is school, but they come for three, four-hour chunks every week. And okay. they make jewelry and they touch base with Ruben and Rajani and Rajani makes them some food and they um, sit together and they also have the opportunity to learn more about Jesus. And so, yeah. And how long have you been in Nepal? We started in Nepal in 2014. Okay. So a little bit younger of a program, but continues to grow. We were able to add on to our facility this past year, which has been really, really great and may actually add on Again, well, it's already there, but take over the third floor as well um, in June and just trying to expand our program there. There's potential of some sewing happening there as well and just trying to create opportunities for these students to not just have one skill set, but maybe two or three more. We would love to see a little bit of a marketplace there, a little uh, stall where we could sell some of the things that are made there. But that would give those students an opportunity to have some storefront um, mm. experience. Retail, and marketing. Retail, marketing, point of inventory, sale. Right. Inventory, mm-hmm. all of that kind of thing. So the business aspect. And, and I think that those ideas and those dreams have come just as we branched out of just 11th and 12th graders and moved into um, working with university students and just trying to equip them with as much as we possibly can. So, Do you ever pause and think back to 2006 <laughs> when the 
the idea started to percolate yeah. or 2010 when you really started to move toward it? I mean, do you, do you ever sit back and kind of take in the whole breadth of what Three Seams has become? Yeah, there are moments where I just can't believe it. Like, it's just weird. It's just kind of like mind blowing mm-hmm. um, how God has just taken this thing and and grown it and morphed it and brought it to what it is today. And I am a very type A firstborn person. And so <laughs> I think when things get hard, those of us wired like myself tend to kind of clench down on things. And I, I kind of, I do this exercise with my hands where I I feel myself squeezing down on a certain issue or a certain problem or a financial shortage or whatever the the thing may be mm-hmm. and trying to in my humanness fix it like okay well, what am I going to do how am I going to fix this and I can feel it it's almost like my fists are clenching and so I started this exercise with myself and I talk about it a lot when I share about three seams it's just that that is when, when you start clenching down, when you are squelching, is that the word? Mm-hmm. <laughs> God's ability to continue to work and for mm-hmm. you to see the fullness of what he can do. But it's when you open your hands, open them until they hurt, open so far that your fingers are bending backwards and your tendons are stretching and you're just able to say, okay, God, this is your thing. You need to take this. I am human. I can't figure it out. You only can fix this. And and I think it's, you know, in anything where things are scary or you have an idea. I, I talk to so many women that are like, oh gosh, like I just, I just couldn't do that. Or I just, I have this little idea, but I just don't think it'll make much of a difference. And I just say to them, oh, just take that step, open your hands really, really big, take that first baby step and just see what God will do with that. Because I used to scrape $20 off of our grocery budget in 2010 to make little girls dresses. Every time I went to the grocery store and I would make a couple dresses and then the next time and then I'd make a couple dresses. Mm-hmm. That's how three seams started. It was just this little one little thing at a time. And by the time we moved these dress, the dress production to Haiti, I had made 300 dresses. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's just, you just keep working. You just keep going. And God, if you allow God to kind of direct your path, like, I've never handed over a project so willingly in all of my day. I was like, <laughs> you want to make the dresses? Awesome. <laughs> so anyway, but yeah, it is It is really cool to look back and just be in awe and so thankful to be on the journey that I'm on. And mm-hmm. I think that's what I continually refer to it as, as, is that it's a journey. And whether you volunteer some time to package with us or whether you purchase a pair of earrings or whether you just sit and listen to our story, you become a part of the journey. And together, communally, we can really make a difference. So talk a little bit about the products. You've mentioned them a little bit with the yeah. boho twists and the the loungewear yeah. and jewelry. So everything we do in Cambodia is textile. We have a collection of loungewear, different couple of styles of pants, straight leg pants, jogger style pants. We have a piece that's like, it's called the cover. It's a wrap piece that you can... It's amazing. 
<laughs> do you all like yours? That, all the things you can do with it? <laughs> it is pretty fun. It's pretty fun. You can wear it as a kimono. You can wear it as a poncho. You can wear it as a scarf. When I show people at events, they're like, oh, my gosh, is there a video? Like, I'm never going to remember all of this. And the answer is yes. And this is a very important point, too. How much is the cover? The yeah, cover it's $32. Which is so affordable. And talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. So this stems back to um, we were in 2006 when I led that service project. We were actually on staff with Youth for Christ and we were raising our own support. And we like we're just paycheck to paycheck family. And I remember all these companies coming out that were just do good and social enterprise type companies that and job creation companies. And but I, I just I couldn't afford much of it. Mm-hmm. I was just on a tight budget. And, the, and I think as we started putting together these collections and started pricing our products, that has remained very strong in my brain as a memory of just, I was unable. I wanted to, but I was unable. And so um, our tagline has been, um, for the past couple of years, has been fighting poverty and human trafficking through affordable fashion. And my goal is to keep our prices affordable for most and right. and accessible. You had accessible. said when mm-hmm. we sat down before, you said that two young teenage girls had ordered a whole bunch of the mm-hmm. the or, twists. Yes, yeah, yeah. I I love. I just a lot of times can tell when I'm mailing products to college campuses mm-hmm. or I get messages from young girls on Instagram all the time with little pictures of them wearing their boho twists. Or, and it's just exciting to me to see young people putting their money someplace that is truly making a difference. And there are so many companies out there now that are just doing amazing things and um, so many options where we can take our dollars mm-hmm. and put them someplace that makes a difference. We have so much power in our spending and we can make a difference with that spending or we can actually hurt with that spending. And so to see young people be able to afford our products mm-hmm. and for it to um, be accessible to, to be them. accessible to them mm-hmm. is really encouraging to me. It's definitely something that's a priority to us is to keep our our prices affordable. That's awesome. Yeah. So we got. I, so, I interrupted you. In no, the press, it's fine. So you've got your joggers and your pants and the boho twists, which are like bracelets. Yep. Yep. So the boho twists are kind of a fun little story. We. Um, Went into our sewing center a few years back, and we had these bags and bags of scrap. And it was just like, oh, what are we going to do with all this? If we just kind of let it loose to them, it's just going to end up kind of just getting burned in the back. Mm -hmm. And it really wasn't useful for anything else. It was just thin strips of scrap that came off of just our other projects. And I said, well, you know, I saw this YouTube video once of yarn being made out of scrap fabric. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what we can do with this, but we took some scraps back to our hotel and we started watching this choppy video with Cambodian Wi-Fi and <laughs> I kept cutting out and our hands were cramping and it was like unraveling and <laughs> I thought this is ridiculous. This isn't going to work. Well, meanwhile, our translator is sitting there watching and they, she said, "Hey, can I try?" So we handed it all to her and within 10 minutes she had feet upon feet twisted out. And I was like, how do you know how to do that? <laughs> she said, oh, well, most of the women will know how to do this because it's how they make the cow rope. It's how they make the ropes to lead their animals. And so they would take grass or trash or other scraps of whatever they had around mm-hmm. to make rope. And so we were like, oh, my gosh, this is great. That is so <laughs> – that is, like, mind-blown. So cool that it's it's something that they already know. Yeah. It was something Taking that – And putting totally. new value – 
on something they already know. Yeah. Makes me yeah. cry. It's it was pretty cool. It was really a neat neat thing. And then the other part of it that really was exciting to us was, you know, we would get women that would come in and we'd spend three, four months with them trying to teach them how to sew one seam on a headband. And it was really difficult. Mm -hmm. Like they just weren't catching on. And so to have a project that they could come in on already kind of know how to do it. Mm -hmm. And it did not involve the sewing machine was just this huge (laughs) moment, right? (laughs) It was like, oh my word, we have a project for women that are struggling with the sewing machine. And Mm -hmm. not that we stop training on the sewing machine, but it gives them a brain break right. or, you know, just something that they a can confidence continue. builder. Totally. That you can still contribute. Exactly. Exactly. And that silly little boho twist that we thought was just going to be this like, well, maybe it'll, maybe it'll, whatever. <laughs> well, we started running out of scraps, started having to buy <laughs> sarong, <laughs> cut it into scraps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just took off. And it's just this very simple, twisted fabric bracelet with beads on the end and you can wrap it around your wrist you can put it in your hair you can wear it around your ankle with flip-flops um very versatile and it has just been a really big win for (laughs) for us in so many ways Mm -hmm. um but it was interesting how when we were in the village everyone knew how to do it and they i mentioned before that they are like the master twisters right right? (laughs) and we love to send that project back up to them the women in the city not so much. Probably because they didn't have cows they to lead. didn't and... have to make rope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we are teaching them. It's something that we actually love that project in the city because it brings everybody around a circle. Mm. We like it's the community aspect where we'll, we'll stop work 40 minutes before the end of shift, bring them all around, have a basket of scrap in the middle, and just work on that twisting project. But it allows Skylar and her assistant the opportunity to just touch base with everybody and talk around the circle. And so we are still doing it in the city. They just don't enjoy it as much. (laughs) (laughs) So we love to send that project back up to the village. (laughs) That's beautiful. So and then so you've got the loungewear, the boho twists, and you have jewelry. We do have the jewelry. Yep. The jewelry all comes out of Nepal. We when we first went into Nepal, I wasn't even really sure what we were gonna make. I mean, I was had I had to look on a map, embarrassingly so. Um, where exactly am I going? <laughs> I wasn't exactly sure, nor did, was I sure what I was going to find supply-wise. But um, we just went to the market and started looking around and trying to figure out, like, what is readily accessible, what is manufactured and made in Nepal, that we are not dependent upon borders being mm-hmm. open and mm-hmm. imported. And and what we found was metal, and so most of our jewelry, are predom- it's predominantly a metal collection. Um, okay. So all different types. We use sheet metal. We use wire. We use thin strips of metal. I'm not exactly sure what they, as a, as a community, use it for us, but we use it for jewelry. <laughs> yeah, it's just been something that's been really accessible to us and consistent. We do use some beads as well, but very minimal beading. Mm-hmm. That's been cool. We actually have a vendor that we go to for beads and have been able to build a relationship with that family that owns it. There's a young young boy, a part of that family. I mean, he's probably not as young anymore because we've been there a while, right? So he's maybe 20. Um, but he is the one that we predominantly work with in that shop. And it's it's neat because Ruben 
also a pastor, is able to go in on a very regular basis and touch base with this young this young man. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's been some relationships, even just being able to build with our vendors. vendors. Yeah, it's been that. cool. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like I would be amiss if I didn't mention, too, that some of your jewelry, or you have a special piece that's featured on Lauren Daigle's Website. Yeah, yeah. So um, we have had the great privilege of being friends with Lauren Daigle and um, back to when her first single was released. And she was a, is a friend of one of my friends. And my friend introduced me to her. And we've just had this really sweet relationship with her from the very beginning of her, her journey. And she has <laughs> blown through so many boho twists at her con- <laughs> at her concerts um, has made such an impact in Cambodia through those little twists. But uh, yeah, well, she has a pair of our earrings on tour with her right now, as well as a necklace that we did um, solely for her. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a similar version of it on our website called the Neck Fringe. Um, hers, although is a, is quite a bit different, just similar. So, yeah, yeah, it's been really, really neat to be partnered with her. And I know she's coming to the Twin Cities. I hope people have tickets. I think she's coming in March. And oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, that exciting. yeah, yeah. But, man, she is the real deal. Like, she loves Jesus with all her heart. Um, her management loves Jesus with all their heart. Like, they are just amazing people. Mm-hmm. And so to be partnered with amazing people has just been super 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 cool and we're thrilled for her she just won two grammys right that's so exciting (laughs) so we're super super excited for her and just cheering all the way so but it sounds like that's a common theme with three seams that you are that you get to partner with really really great people all over the world yeah yeah it's been really really neat just from foreign partnerships to organizational partnerships to Lauren partnership. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just, it's been a really, really fun journey. And we love, we love it. Mm -hmm. We can't do everything, right? Like, I mean, none of us can, like, but if we all work together, we we get so much more done. Right. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. Exactly. So where do you, when you dream about three seams and try not to be clench fist, (laughs) thinking about the surrender part of it, Yeah. but if you dream about three seams, kind of where do you see things going from here? Wow. You can say you I, don't want to answer it. If you no, answer it. no. I, <laughs> I'm i just hesitant to say sometimes mm-hmm. because I could never, if you had asked me five years ago what it was going to look like today, like it looks nothing like what I probably would have told you. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I just would love to continue seeing it grow and seeing it impact more and more people and just hearing and watching lives changed and stories of freedom and stories of that oppression being lifted. Mm -hmm. I just want to continue hearing those stories coming out of our programs. And so, yeah, I mean, we're always in a mode of growth and in a mode of bringing new people into our programs. But the one thing that we really are also committed to is keeping each of our programs at a size that we know our artisans so we are getting to the point in Cambodia where we are pretty full there. And Nepal, we can grow a little bit more. And then we're going to need to decide what we're going to do. Like, mm-hmm. are we going to start new locations within those same 
countries, mm -hmm. probably, but just so that we can keep that intimacy, keep those relationships. It's like hard. Community. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's hard when you start getting so big. You lose touch with the artisan. You lose touch with the families. And that's important to us is that relationship. So, so yeah, growth. I just want to continue seeing more and more people empowered. Yeah, um, we are in the process of looking for some interns. Um, so that's exciting, uh, both abroad and stateside. Um, looking for a couple summer interns in Cambodia. Also looking for some interns here stateside that in marketing and social media and that kind of thing. So mm -hmm. that's definitely if any of your listeners are <laughs> right, right. listening and are like, ooh, I'm looking for something like that. Just looking for those, those type of people to just join our team to grow both abroad and stateside. And where would they find out more information about you? So it can go to our website or any of our social medias and instant message us. Uh, message us through Instagram. Um, send us a message through Facebook. There's an email address for contacting us on our website, threeseams.com. Um, it's just hello at threeseams.com. Okay. <laughs> so they can, definitely can just send us an email and we're quick to get back to you and give you some more information on that. So Okay. I'll yeah. make sure that's all in the show notes too. Okay. Yeah, that'd be great. Is there anything else that you want to mention or anything that we haven't talked about that you want to talk about? You know, I feel like we did really well covering both locations. Um, I guess if you are just more curious about Three Seams and want to see more on our product or more about what we do, I would encourage encourage people to um, follow us on Instagram. That's probably where we post the most. As yeah, you're our, pretty active on Instagram. Yeah, just our story mm -hmm. and, um, and our posts there. We are on Facebook as well, so you can kind of follow our page on Facebook. We are going to be expanding our website over the course of the next year where there will be a section where you can find out what events if we're going to be in your area at a conference mm -hmm. also wholesalers or if they wanted to have you at a conference absolutely <laughs> we would love it we that is actually my favorite place for us to bring our product and move our product is at women's conferences like mm -hmm. it is just a joy for me and anybody who works with me to be able to share the story. Mm -hmm. And um, we are very conscientious of being careful to respect our artisans' privacy online and not show a lot of faces, not exploit their stories. But there's so much going on. And one-on-one, -on -one, it's just a joy for us to share those moments and share those stories with people. And so um, conferences are a way for us to do that is to just be one-on-one -on -one with people and to share. So definitely, if you have a conference coming up in your area and you're looking for vendors, we would love to hear from you. Always looking for those opportunities. And as well as if you have a marketplace of your own, we do have wholesale opportunities for shops around the country. Um, we're all over the country in little boutiques here and there. Um, some carry the boho twists, some carry the pants. You know, mm -hmm. it's just, it's um, it's exciting to, to ship product out across the country. So definitely same email address, hello at threeseams.com, and we can get you information on, on wholesale opportunities as well. Uh, something too that I just remembered is the sizing of your your pants. Yeah, because I'm a larger size, okay. and your pants only go to a large, and I'm a right. size sixteen. Okay, so and you and I talked a little bit yeah. about that. So we talk yeah. a little bit about your sizing. Yeah, absolutely. So we do do small, medium, and large right now. 
our hope is with the fall collection that we will be adding an extra small and an extra large. Okay. But currently, um, the small, we always tell people, goes from about a size two through a five. Okay. Then at about a five, we would tell you to jump over to the medium up through about a 10, 12, okay. and then the large from 12 on up. So I had a woman come to one of our conferences that we were at, and she said, oh, I don't think it, the larges will fit. I'm an 18. And I said, you know what? go ahead and take a couple into the bathroom and try them on. And she came out and she's like, oh my goodness, they fit. I'm buying both. <laughs> she was so excited. So the thing I was they're say, elastic waistband. They are. Yeah. It's a it's a really comfortable, stretchy waistband. And then the legs are really forgiving. And so they fit low. So it's just they're very forgiving sort of pant. Mm-hmm. They fit really really well so okay. yeah yeah but like I just I don't said, want people to go like the someone who's a size 18 to go to the website and go oh yeah I yeah large yeah definitely I would say definitely give them a try mm-hmm. and we'll always you know if they don't work ship them on back to us and we'll refund absolutely mm-hmm. but yeah but I like I said in the fall we're hoping to add a size on either side of the spectrum so mm-hmm. that'll kind of branch into some some so other more folks. growth more growth. Yay. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lots of fun things coming. So I would just encourage you to follow us. Follow us on Instagram and and Facebook. We have a lot of really cool things rolling out, specifically this fall, that we're super excited about. But that's all I could say about that. <laughs> <laughs> there are two questions that I ask all my guests. Yeah. The first one is, how do you retreat? Is it a place? Is it a practice? What does retreat look like for you? So I think I mentioned before that I'm like that type A, mm-hmm. firstborn, get it done. It's hard for me to stop. Mm. I have a really hard time stopping. I have a really hard time being quiet. Um, it's something that I've always struggled with. It's something that <laughs> I continue to struggle with. It was interesting. I had a conversation with my mom not too long ago, and she's she likes to go to a hotel all by herself for a night and just shut herself up with her favorite books and her music, and she just is quiet. She's like, maybe you should do that. I'm like, oh, that sounds terrible. (laughs) I don't think I can do that. And she's like, well, what just fuels you? What what will just like, what just allows you to rest Mm -hmm. and gives life? And it for me, it's just it's I have because we've moved around so much over the past 22 years. I have friends all over the country, Mm -hmm. and I have some that are just I call them soul friends, and just those friends that just no matter how many years it's been, you just pick right back up where you left off. Mm -hmm. And for me, I get so fueled and have such rest when I can just steal away two days with a girlfriend Mm -hmm. and where we can just share about life and laugh and cry and just have fun together that is my ultimate ultimate retreat and just to share what God's doing in our lives and to have the opportunity to um, encourage one another and pray together and that's kind of my ultimate retreat Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. on a daily (laughs) basis it's just finding those times I'm in the car a ton and so music really speaks to me and so I have worship music going constantly and it's just I feel like my car on a daily basis tends to be my retreat. My retreat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My other question is if you were to use the hashtag celebrate weird to describe <laughs> something about yourself, what would that be? <laughs> I kind of love this because my kids would 
have repeatedly and will consistently and probably till the day I die mm-hmm. call me weird. And I just I I'm just really kind of have a quirky personality, but I've always just been really weird and quirky with my kids. And I remember when they were younger and we would be making dinner and we would have we would pump the music and like have little dance parties in the kitchen and it's a memory that's very vivid and dear to me that mm-hmm. I hold closely. It's one of my favorite kind of memories with my kids. But even now as they're older and leaving the house and I see them less, I still love to be quirky with them and just to, for us to laugh. And if I can get them to go, oh, mom, you're so weird. <laughs> I know I've succeeded. <laughs> and I, I celebrate that. I, I celebrate right. that success of being that weird mom. And my son one day was like, I'm going to put tally marks on the window for everything you say that makes me roll my eyes. <laughs> it was like a 20-minute drive, and I think the window was very messed up. <laughs> but success. Celebrates it. Celebrate that. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your story. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. It's been fun to just sit here with you and chat about great stuff. So. Thank you for joining me at the table. Any links or anything that we talked about during the show can be found in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe. Or if you've already subscribed, please go leave a review so others can find us too. If you want to keep up with what's happening with Retreat House, you can find us at at Retreat House Podcast. If you want to keep up with what's happening with me, you can find me at at Angela Smith MN. Again, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next week at the Retreat House Podcast. Mm-hmm.